last week I headed to Cornwall and I basically spent four days in a wetsuit. Um, we spent time um, co-steering, which is kind, of, which means we're gonna we were walking around the coast of some beaches, around some very big rocks, and the waves were battering us, which was really good fun. We spent time paddleboarding. We tried to paddleboard on the waves, which is very very hard to do when the waves are quite big and the wind is strong. We spent actually time paddleboarding on the river. Um, we spent time um, swimming through the waves, swimming through the waves, past the break and then onto rocks. Uh, we spent time walking along the coast to like beaches we've ha which had massive rocks which you could then dive off into the ocean. And we spent then time in areas where there were seals swimming around who were very curious about us and we were very worried at certain points um, if the seal was going to bite us and I really didn't want to be bitten by a seal. Um, but we also spent some time surfing. I don't know if you've ever surfed before, but if you want to go surfing, I've, I, you have to go to, by here, you have to go to the place where we went, which is like South, uh, North Cornwall, which is supposedly where the biggest waves are in England. Um, and we spent three or four, three or four hours surfing the waves there. And I've never, ever surfed before. And the beaches were packed because just last week there was a, a storm came through which increased the wave size so there were loads and loads of surfers and I've never ever surfed before but after three or four hours I suddenly I finally got the hang of it I started just like bodyboarding and then I moved up to my knees and eventually I was able to near enough kind of stand up for a certain amount of time and so suddenly like me and my surfboard were one and these 12 foot waves 15 foot waves were no match for my expertise but there were some times where it didn't go quite according to plan. And there were times when the waves surprised me, either because um, it surprised me by um, folding sooner than I thought it was. It surprised me by being bigger than I thought it would be. Sometimes it surprised me because I wasn't concentrating or because I wasn't looking. Um, but I still had my surfboard attached to me, no matter what happened. Because there were times when I got battered by the wave. It flipped me into the wave. It smacked me in the side of the face. There were times where I was kind of stuck in the wave and I'm pretty sure I did about five cartwheels at one point in one wave and I'm pretty sure at one point I kind of folded with it um, and it slapped me in the head. But with all that, with those waves, um, I was still attached to my surfboard with a leash. And I was then ready to just grab my surfboard and then swim back into the waves over some other waves to catch another wave back into shore. And that's what you kind of do. You kind of, um, you lay on your surfboard, you kind of analyse the waves, how they're coming, you kind of get your right distance, you turn the board around, you start swimming to catch speed, and hopefully you time it right, the wave will fold and it will push you safe to shore at quite high speeds. And life can be like being on waves, with the waves kind of representing the problems and troubles and decision making and the craziness of life. And wave after wave, stuff goes on. Wave after wave, change happens. Wave after wave, there are problems. And wave after wave, there are decisions to be made. And more often than not, in life, we tend to just sit in rubber rings, waiting for these waves to go underneath us, waiting for these waves to pass, waiting for the problems to stop coming towards us. But the problem with waves, both with the ocean and in life, is that they will always come. Yes, sometimes there are calmer seas and sometimes there are calmer moments in life, but the waves will always come. And, and, and sometimes it will be calm and sometimes they will big. And the problem is, is that we need to kind of start thinking about how we can change our rubber ring for a surfboard. Because I said the problems will always come. The solution is how you then deal with the waves and the problems. And too often or not, we sit in our rubber rings waiting for the waves to disappear. Rather, instead, 
grabbing our surfboard, our God-given surfboard, and trying to ride those waves, which can batter you sometimes, which can propel you at speeds, but you'll always be attached to the God-given surfboard. And throughout the book of Judges, which we're going to look at today, I don't know if you've ever read the book of Judges, but if you haven't, you need to go and read it, because it is a book full of um, battles and wars, and it's just really good fun, really action-packed book to go and read in the Old Testament. And But throughout the book of Judges, you can see this constant cycle, and it's called the Judges cycle, and this is what happens. One, Israel serves God. Two, Israel forgets God and falls into sin and, worship, and then starts worshipping false gods. Three, Israel gets trapped by other nations. Four, Israel cry out to God for help. Five, God raises up a judge to tell Israel where they have gone wrong. Six, Israel is free from the trap of other nations. And seven, we go back to the beginning again. And this is no different. Deborah was the previous judge that God raised up to untrap the Israelites from the other nations. And Israel then began to serve God again. But we're about to hit point two and three in the cycle, which is Israel forgetting God and Israel beginning to worship other gods and then suddenly being trapped by other nations. And we're going to be reading from Judges 6, 1 to 24. And it goes like this. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, Marudas from Midian, Amalek and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying the crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle and donkeys. These enemy hordes come in with their livestock and tents as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Oprah, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Abizia. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing the wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why is this all happening to us? And where were all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. He answered, I will stay here until you return. Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat and with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. 
Then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of the God said to him, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of the staff in his hand and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realised that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I am doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It is all right, the Lord said. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. So the nation of Israel had fallen into sin again. This is the fifth time it's happened in the book of Judges so far. We're only in chapter six. God has allowed the Midianites to trap them and rule over them. And the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites had to kind of camp in caves in the mountains. And the people of Israel were reduced to starvation because they allowed, these Midianites allowed the Israelites to kind of grow crops and to breathe their livestock. And when they were, um, the, the crops had grown and when the livestock were all born and stuff, the Midianites would come in and ransack it and make sure that the Israelites had no more food. And this happened for seven years. And after seven years, the people of Israel had enough, which moves us to point four on the cycle, which is Israel cry out to God for help. So then God moves the cycle to point five and raises up a judge called Gideon. Now, the job of the judge is not an easy one. The job of the judge is to conv- is to try and convince uh, the people, the, the people of Israel, of their sin. It was his, their, it was Gideon's job to turn Israel's complaining into confessing. But Gideon wasn't too sure about this idea. And he kind of has this dialogue with God. He's like, God, are you sure you mean me? And God says, it will be all right. And Gideon's like, mate, like, I am the weakest in my family. Are you sure you want me? Because like, there are a lot of other people that you could, you know, you could pick. And God says, it will be all right. Like, I am the weakest in my family and I am part of the weakest tribe. You are really making a mistake picking me. Are you sure you want me? And God says, it'll be all right. And Gideon is so unsure about this idea that God, um, or God, he just wants to double check. He's like, God, if I'm going to put my butt on the line, if I'm going to have to go and fight through the Midianites, if I'm going to have to tell people about their sin, then God, you're going to need me are going to give me a sign because at the moment I feel like I'm a sitting duck. I feel like I'm sitting in my rubber ring whilst the waves come constantly battering at me. And he said, God, I know you're big and powerful, but just in case I would love a sign because this thing is crazy. So God gives Gideon a sign by blowing up some food that Gideon has offered him. And by God blowing up this food is, is, enough, is a sign that is enough for Gideon um, to realise that he is just made, is in contact with God himself and he cannot believe what has just happened and he falls fa- he's finally face to face with God and God says to Gideon, it'll be alright, do not be afraid, you will not die. And in that moment, God, uh, Gideon recognised God as shalom, he recognised God as peace. In that moment, Gideon swapped his rubber ring for a surfboard and he was ready to wi- ride the waves that the Midianites and the Israelites were going 
to throw at him. And I don't know if you've ever been told about your sin. I don't know if you've ever been told about your wrong behaviour, if you've been corrected. But it's not a nice feeling being challenged on your behaviour and on your sin. When I get challenged about my behaviour and sin, I get defensive, I get offended, I feel hurt and exposed and violated. I have emotions that I can't control and don't recognise. And I get angry. And Gideon had to do this for a whole nation. He had to get the whole nation of Israel turning from complaining to confessing. It was like when Boris Johnson finally, well not finally, when he gave his first live national press conference from 10 down the street and he told the nation, all the nation, that we are going to lockdown. Everything is shutting and you must stay away from people, stay away from places and only stay with the people that you are living with in order to stop the spread of COVID-19. And he's been doing that for nine months now. And as we kind of know, during the summer, you know, restrictions got relaxed. We were told, you know, they relaxed them. And I'm sure we were even more relaxed. And I'm not innocent in that. And it looks like, again, well, we're back in that cycle because they were relaxed, because we were relaxed. We're back into another lockdown. And it hasn't been easy for Boris Johnson. Like, I'm sure it's been hard for him. So can you imagine what it was like for Gideon? He didn't have a TV to sit behind, like a, uh, like a, a phone to sit behind to record, to tell um, the Israelites where they'd gone wrong. He had to go around and tell people where they'd gone wrong in life. And I wonder how Gideon was feeling about that task. Gideon was comforted by the fact that he was given God's peace to bring shalom to a nation, to bring wholeness, to bring completeness to bring shalom, to bring Israel back to God. And that's what shalom means. Shalom means to bring wholeness, to bring completeness. Now, if you watch the British Bake Off, when they make these amazing cakes or amazing breads, amazing um, masterpieces of things I can, could never do, and they bring it to Paul Hollywood and Prue Leaf and they cut it down, suddenly that cake has gone from shalom to non-shalom. It is not whole anymore. And if you play Fortnite, when you're hurt and you kind of box yourself in in order to heal up, if someone blows in the side or batters the side of your box, which was once Shalom, and it, and it loses a wall, then that wall, that box is now not Shalom. And if you play Call of Duty, you start as a Shalom, you start as a whole team. And if you've got me on your team in Call of Duty, you'll quickly lose Shalom. Because when I die, if a team member dies and that team is not complete anymore, that team has lost Shalom. But shalom is also a verb. You can shalom something. Shalom is about taking what is broken and restoring it to wholeness. So once I'm dead in Call of Duty, which is very often, it is my team's job to try and restore the team back to shalom, to try and um, get me back to life again. And I kind of bring shalom to our football team. Uh, I don't put myself as the starting person on the right wing or the left wing. I'm more than happy to sit on the sidelines and manage. But as the players start getting injured, as the players start getting tired, if I don't put myself on, the team will not be shalom. It's only when I then come onto the football pitch to make the team 11 aside again that that team becomes shalom. And if you would say you are a Christian, then you have God's peace with you. You have God's shalom. And John, in his biography of Jesus, records that Jesus said, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. You have God's peace. You have God constantly saying to you, it'll be all right. Do not be afraid. It is your task 
to bring shalom, to bring peace, to bring wholeness, to make things complete in the world around you. You are to bring shalom, you are to do shalom and you are to be shalom. So I want to ask you three questions this morning. If you can write these questions down and you can reflect on them throughout the week. And the first question is this, what is your Gideon battle? Gideon was unsettled because he was tasked to bring shalom to a whole nation. But has God put something on your heart which is making you feel overwhelmed? Is it making you feel uncertain? Is it making you feel confused? But has God put something on your heart where you feel like you need to do something but you don't know how? Is there something that you want to do for someone or, some, or do something for a community to bring wholeness, to bring shalom, to bring peace? What is your Gideon battle? And my second question is this, is what area of life do you need God to say, it'll be all right, do not be afraid? Maybe you have family disagreements, maybe your parents are arguing, maybe you're struggling with your relationship with your parents or your brother or sister or your friendship group or you're just struggling being in this world at the moment. Where do you need God to say, it'll be all right, do not be afraid? And my third question is this, is what waves are coming at you at the moment? As I said at the beginning, waves will always come. There is no point in sitting in a rubber ring waiting for them to stop because they will always come. What waves are coming at you at the moment? Is it schoolwork? Is it family pressures? Is it decision making? Is it um, mock exams coming? Is it um, just this COVID-19? What waves are coming at the moment? And are you sitting in a rubber wing, rubber wing, rubber ring, hoping that they stop? Or are you going to you know, get your God-given surfboard, which you are attached to by a leash, and begin riding the waves? Yes, the waves will come. Yes, the waves are big. Yes, you'll fall off your surfboard and the waves will batter you, but you will always have your surfboard to ride on top of those waves rather than waiting for them to stop. But with all of this, youth, don't think that you give God, um, your friends your peace. You don't give this world your peace. You don't give your family your peace. Jesus has given you his peace and now you are going to be his peace. You're going to give those people his peace. And as we begin to ride the waves of life with our God-given surfboard, as we look to bring shalom, as we look to bring wholeness and peace and completeness to the, to the places around us, Remember always, he will be shalom.